right. Once again, thank you for coming to Elevate. Uh, we are a new ministry here in Huntsville, and we exist to introduce college-age students and professionals to Jesus and to teach them how to live a life that is elevated. Um, we do this through uh, worship and uh, meaningful relationships and um, relevant lessons. And so one thing that we want to start doing as far as the meaningful relationships go is um, as we gear into the fall, right, we're going to start doing um, the start of a new year. Um, the fall is the start for a lot of people as far as work, if you're a young professional or whatnot. And so as we gear into the fall, we're going to start doing, um, we're going to still do these meetings once a month, but we're also going to start doing weekly small group Bible studies. And so uh, that is going to be on Tuesday nights um, at 7 at our apartment. And, you know, um, you guys are welcome to come, and it's just a place to get to know each other better and, and have that community of meaningful relationships. And so, uh, once again, my name is Jason Mundy, and uh, if you don't know me, and it is an honor and privilege to be here with you this evening, just sharing what God has put on my heart and has been teaching me for really over the past few months. And so, if you missed the last couple times, uh, here, you know, that's okay. I'm going to recap it for you. But we have been looking at biblical examples of people who had plans that differed from God's plan. We looked at the story of Joseph, right? And we discussed how throughout his life there were countless times when his plans didn't meet his expectations. And it would have been easy for him to turn his back on God and walk away. Yet time and time again, we see that Joseph trusted that God's plans were better than his own and that God was in control. We also discussed how throughout your life, there are going to be times when your plans don't meet your expectations and life differs from where you hoped it would go. It is in these times when we are faced with two options. We can either turn our back on God, right? Uh, blame him and put our faith and trust on ourselves or others to fix our situation. Or we can lean into God and trust that his plan is better and that he is in control. And so the last time we talked, uh, we looked at the beginning of the Christian church in Acts. We talked about the killing of Stephen and the wave of persecution that started as a result. We discussed how we live in a fallen world with a spiritual war that is going on, right? Uh, and how Satan thought he was gaining a victory. He thought he would crush Christianity in his infant stages by killing Stephen and persecuting the rest of the Christians. But God had a better plan. We said that if Stephen wasn't martyred and persecution never occurred, Christianity at the time was perfectly comfortable being and growing in Jerusalem. But once persecution happened, God was able to use a tragic situation of the killing of Stephen to spread Christianity throughout the region because they scattered away from Jerusalem. So what Satan meant for evil, God used for good. We then talked about how in our lives there are going to be moments when, you want, when your world is falling apart, your heart breaks, and all you can do is cry and wonder why God would allow such a bad thing to happen. But 
We talked about how our God, he has made a promise that he will work the bad into good for those who love him. And so what often feels life-shattering in the moment, God can turn it into something better. And so growing up, I was a bit of a problem child. I know that's hard to believe, but um, I was constantly in trouble with my parents, right? Uh, And it wasn't necessarily because I would do horrible things, even though I did do horrible things, but it was because I could never handle criticism well. And so anytime my parents would try to help me by correcting me or just giving suggestions, really, it would almost always escalate into a yelling and screaming match between me and them. I remember this one time, I was probably around 8th grade or so, and sure enough, I escalated something that was minor into a huge argument with my dad. And the reason why this particular instance sticks out in my head is because I distinctly remember that it was his birthday that day, and thinking that I probably shouldn't be arguing with him because it will ruin his day. But sure enough, being the punk teenager that I was, right, I I couldn't control my emotions, and I went through with the argument and the fight anyway. I remember sitting in my room after things had cooled down, crying and immediately regretting the decision that I made. Have you ever been there? Have you ever done something and you thought that there is no way I could ever be forgiven for this? And so maybe my story relates to you because you have done something that you regret where you thought forgiveness was an impossibility. Maybe you got into an accident and seriously injured someone. Maybe you cheated on a significant other or got in trouble with the law and have consistently let down or disappointed a loved one. Maybe you got kicked out of a school or a class or failed out, all right? Regardless of the situation, in all of our lives, there are going to be moments that we regret, moments that we wish we could take back, and moments where we feel unforgivable. And so this afternoon, we're going to pick up the story from where we left off last time and gain a biblical example of someone else who probably felt unforgivable. And so, in case you forgot last time, when we talked about Stephen being martyred, there was a guy named Saul, right, that was right there giving his approval. And so, in in Acts, uh, which is Matthew, so in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the fifth book of the Bible, right, Uh, chapter 8, verse 1 says this, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the region of Judea and Samaria. And so, if we fast forward a bit into Acts chapter 9, we see Saul continuing this wave of persecution. And chapter 9 says this, Meanwhile, 
Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priests. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So here we see Saul. He's willing to travel about 140 miles away from Jerusalem to a town called Damascus just because he had heard of Christians having scattered to there. This journey is going to take Saul about a week's time, okay? But he was willing to do it because he wanted to bring the Christians back to Jerusalem in chains. But as you see, God had a different plan. And so as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. And so Saul was the big man on campus, right? He had all the confidence and swagger that anyone in his position would expect to have. But all of a sudden, on the way to Damascus, Saul is blinded and humbled. Because instead of leading people in chains, he is now the one being led because he has been blinded and he can't see. And so, continuing on with the story. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon his name, upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. 
So here we see that God has chosen Saul as his instrument to take Christianity to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles, they speak Greek, right? So Saul, which is the Hebrew version of his name, he becomes known as Paul, which is the Greek version of his name. Because he is commissioned by God to work with the Gentiles who spoke Greek. And so Saul becomes known as Paul. And many of you probably know this story, right? But for those that don't, Paul, he then goes on to become who many think is the greatest evangelist to have ever walked the earth, right? He started at least 14 churches that we know of, probably a whole lot more. He wrote at least eight books of the New Testament, right? Some will say 13, some will even say 14, depending on who you ask. And so that's over half the New Testament that he probably wrote. And Paul, essentially, he becomes the catalyst for the spread of Christianity in the early church. And the point here is this, right? Paul, he went from murdering and persecuting Christians, he would hunt them down, he would brutally kill them, and he would imprison them. Yet God, he still used Saul, or Paul, he still used Paul, and he still had a plan for him. So, maybe you are like Paul, right? You have done something so bad that it is inconceivable for you to believe that God could ever forgive you and that God could ever use you. Or maybe you're like my wife over here, right? Who has only gotten in trouble once in her life, and even that time it was a mistake, and her dad had to come back and apologize later. And so wherever you are in the spectrum, okay, the truth is this, that we all have regrets. Moments in life that we wish we could take back. Moments where we wonder if we have gone too far. Moments where we feel like, that is it. God will never forgive me. And so the good news is this, though. If we become humble, like Saul was after he was blinded, and see our need for God, He can and He will forgive us. No matter how far gone we think we may be, He will forgive you, and He will give you a better plan. And so, remember the story I started with um, at the beginning of this lesson? Me arguing with my dad and ruining his birthday? What I love about that story is this, right? My dad, he forgave me, right? He still loves me. He still guides me and directs me and shares his wisdom with me. He still wants what is best for me. Why? Because he is a father that loves. You see, I thought I had messed up to the point where I was ready to pack my bags and go back to South Korea where they had adopted me from, right? But my dad, 
He had a different plan for me. And so our God, our Heavenly Father, He also has a plan for you. No matter what you've done, no matter how long you've been away, and no matter how lost you think you may be, my God, right, the God that I know, He's waiting with open arms. Waiting to forgive and waiting to shower you with His love and His blessings and share His amazing plan for your life. So, if that is something that you want today, right, as we sing this next song, I encourage you to come find me. Right? There is nothing more than that I would want than to share how to make that happen for you tonight. And so, um, I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, we're going to sing a couple more songs. Um, but, once again, if, if you need to talk, just come find me afterwards. Alright, let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for um, your word. Thank you for so much for loving us and always being there with open arms, willing to forgive and shower your love on us, Lord. I pray that, um, that we don't take that for granted and we choose to accept your love, Lord. Uh, Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your patience with us. And thank you for giving us a better plan. Thank you for Jesus and the sacrifice he made. And I pray all this in his name. Amen.